welcome to Modern Anarchy, the podcast featuring real conversations with conscious objectors to the status quo. I'm your host, Nicole. On today's episode, we have Arushi join us for a conversation all about challenging the patriarchal construction of monogamy. Y'all know I love these conversations. It's good. Together, we talk about differing from your family value systems, the history of monogamy for women, and navigating non-monogamous relationships. This is a very powerful episode. We really lack examples models of what it looks like to construct non-monogamous relationships. So I dive into all that with Arushi here. What words do you use to describe your partnerships? How do you navigate jealousy? And how did you come to embark on non-monogamy with your partner? It is very important that we have a space to talk about these so that all the people out there who are thinking about maybe embarking on a similar journey can learn from the trials, errors, celebrations, and successes that are other people's lived experience with non-monogamy. So thank you, Arushi, for opening up and really sharing about your experience. It is powerful to have your voice on this podcast. And I also just want to say thank you to every one of you that continues to tune in learn and grow together in this space. I see you and I am here with you on this journey together. Y'all, tune in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Leading a double life is almost second nature because I'm Indian and I mm. grew up in India. And I I grew up in a in a fairly smallish town, but mm-hmm. you know, with very modern parents in a sense who wanted to give me all the opportunities that they could and they wanted me to be an independent woman and not necessarily uh fall into this sort of the traditional trap of what women are expected to do and be and become mm-hmm. while of course at the same time having their own you know my family had their own reservations and qualms about sexuality and an independent sexuality so it's one thing to be an independent woman with a career and it's another mm-hmm. thing to have a woman to be a woman who makes her own decisions about her body and her sexuality and you know engages in that so so that's where the double life comes in right because mm-hmm. Because you, you are in, you, you, it's not like you can be independent in one part of your life and then not <laughs> question other parts of your life. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Um, so, so that's where uh, it comes in. And, you know, anything in my life that was related to my uh, relationships, my sexuality, my decisions to engage in sexual interactions with people mm-hmm. was very much a hidden part of my life when it came to my family, my community, mm. and, and you know, very much sort of the person I was with my with friends and peers, 
mm-hmm. who thought in the same way and then very different person uh, from you know when I was with family with with other sort of people I grew up with etc absolutely so you were like already learning how to navigate that yeah. duality because you couldn't say that to your family yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so uh so yeah it's been you know that's uh how it's been really uh, having this uh and it, it takes time you know to to overcome some of these kind of mm-hmm. barriers that you have because it's one thing to start questioning for yourself but then you start questioning also for your parents and your family you know people who you're close to and then how do you do you ask them those questions or do you you know try and get them to question stuff is that easy is that you know that's really difficult as i say that's not easy <laughs> i've tried it's not easy yeah. no. exactly so uh yeah so it's it's um it's an interesting journey i think and i feel like it's taken me quite a long time to really own my sexuality hmm. as well as i could and to be really very comfortable with the decisions that i take about myself my body yeah. you know my relationships and interactions yeah when i meet other people from around the world i feel like oh you know like here i am 42 mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's been a while mm-hmm. <laughs> where some other people are already you know but this is this is how life is right you have absolutely circumstances different yeah experiences absolutely and especially given your family context that it seems like that independence in sexuality wasn't really accepted no exactly it's it it wasn't and it's still difficult mm. but you know it's also been a lot a number of years so yeah. it's something that's kind of getting there hopefully mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. could you tell me more about this journey for you like what are the steps in the process i think there's a lot of people who would want to learn from your embodiment and your independence and your past so i'd be curious to hear like yeah what are those stepping stones for you where does it start you know take yeah. us all the way back <laughs> oh my goodness it's difficult to pinpoint really any specific steps or areas or points in time mm-hmm. but i think the fact that my parents wanted me to be an independent woman who made choices for herself really played into it and i think they sort of set the stage for that not realizing of course that it meant setting the stage for All many other things yes yes <laughs> <laughs> and you know i was lucky and privileged enough to be given the opportunities of you know very good education uh being able to go abroad to study mm-hmm. and and all of those and also sort of engage in theater while in school mm. you know it was all it was all like it's like you're being given like, yes yes of course it's a good hobby to do it's not something that you would have as a career like no sure. no no it's good to you know <laughs> even though i would probably have loved to be an actor in in my life and you know mm-hmm. that that would might have been the career that i would have chosen but it was always just this much and that's that's enough like just not you know just not the whole way mm-hmm. let's not go the whole way mm-hmm. so it was always mm-hmm. very much and i think the opportunity to go abroad and study probably helped me really take charge of my life and understand how the you know how other parts of the world function mm. how people live 
And then, you know, I came back uh, from studying and I was still sort of in my hometown and I was working. So because I'm Indian, the expectation was that I would live with my parents and that mm. already it became this struggle because it was just like, oh my goodness, no, I'm I'm this other independent person, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, who is not anymore the 15-year-old or the 10-year-old or the... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Eighteen-year-old that you think uh, you should have control over. Yeah. So it was. It was not easy. Mm-hmm. At the same time, of course, you know the fact that I could live at home and work a job, um, which didn't pay me enough, for example, to live on my own. But mm-hmm. you know, I was still. So it's it's always this mixed bag, isn't it? Like this love-hate thing going on. And eventually when I was able to find a job where I could move out of my hometown is really when I was able absolutely feel not guilty about making my decisions about my body and my life and my sexual choices and my relationships, you know, because guilt plays such a huge role, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and you sort of brought up to believe, especially in, in uh, South Asia, for example, that family is the most important thing in your life. And of course it's important and it enables so many things, but it's, I think it's such a balance to have the ability to see yourself as an individual with needs and desires and fantasies that you want to do uh, uh, and engage in mm-hmm. versus, you know, keep not rocking the boat and, and keeping that community uh, link and sort of, you know, being belonging and being part of the group. So it's really, I don't think anywhere has it has this balance perfect, right? It's always sure. a struggle mm-hmm. <laughs> in mm-hmm. different ways. Absolutely. Yeah, it's so hard when your community and your values can be in conflict like that, right? So you, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So then you, you're enjoying this independence, struggling with different roles in between your family being able to see you as this fully, you know, full adult here in this space. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's a lot to break out of to find enough space to be yourself. That's really tough. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, this this conflict of what are your own personal values versus what are the values of the community and the family or the you know the people who who gave you any sense of values in the mm-hmm. first place and oh my goodness if mine are different like how how do you negotiate that conflict and how do you so it's just it's it's not easy but and and you know therefore there's a lot of guilt attached but i think eventually i understood and realized that if I don't live my true life as I understand it uh, and live up to my own values and principles as I uh, view them and, and believe in them, I'm not doing justice to absolutely anyone, mm-hmm. neither my family or community nor myself. And it's just not, it's not worth it. Mm. And I think it's so much more important to just be true to yourself. And absolutely. Just, just, it, it, understanding what that means takes time and that's fine you know Mm -hmm. uh but then once you kind of and it's it's a constantly evolving situation as well Uh, and I think you just have to get comfortable with being true to yourself and living Mm -hmm. the life that is your best life absolutely yeah the hard part is that's scary as hell (laughs) right like that's super scary (laughs) because yeah no it is 
is. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean it, it's scary because you 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 feel like you're breaking out of one safety net. Yep. And you don't necessarily always have another safety net. Yep. You know, so either you can surround yourselves with friends and peers who think and you know understand life like you do, and that creates a kind of safety net. And and you know, it's I've been again lucky and privileged enough to have being able to find find people like that who mm. think the same way, you know, friends, peers, uh, some older, some younger, who have the same values and sort of make the same sort of choices and we're there for each other. And uh, it, it's important to have that uh, safety net. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that I've, at least personally, I'm feeling is it takes time to build that safety net. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think it does. And so you trust that at first, knowing that kind of like what you said before, no one is better served if I am not being authentic to myself. Yeah, absolutely. And you take those steps, you start to build a community. And I think that's a really big thing that you're pointing out too, is once you moved out of the family system, you were able to not feel guilt. Yes, Exactly. You know, yeah. I was totally independent. I was financially independent. I was not living in my parents' home. I was uh, responsible for all my stuff. Uh, and this is it. That's when there was a lot less guilt because, uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm, this is me. This is, it's all me. <laughs> exactly. And I'm sleeping well at night because I know what I'm doing with my life and I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else but you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I think that's it. You said it. You know, it doesn't have to make sense to anybody else but you. And I think mm -hmm. once you understand that, then it's so much easier. And then even you still you still have questions and you still but you it's so much easier to go through all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And taking holding space for the reality that the systems are so important that we put ourselves in. So I think I think it's really hard when you're in that system and you're feeling that guilt because you love these people and they're important to you, it, it resides within your psyche and your subconscious to some degree, right? Where you kind of almost restrict yourself from different actions, knowing, yeah, exactly, knowing yeah. what they would think about this. It's, it's hard exactly. to let that go. Yes, yes, exactly. And, you know, I think this is probably one of the most important realizations is that we continuously think in our own minds or what would someone x you know think about absolutely. this or say about this absolutely when in truth we have no idea mm. no matter how well we know them we don't know how they would actually react to sure. something until it actually happens and sure. i think that's just that's the one falsehood we need to stop telling ourselves mm. like stop imagining what loved ones or people we care about or you know respect are thinking or saying about our actions. No, just stop it. Just Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> you, you don't know. You don't know. You don't mm -hmm. actually know. Mm-hmm. Well then let me ask too, did you ever bring it up to your parents about what you're doing and how how did that go? Yes, no? Yeah, well it's been a slow and long process. Mm -hmm. And of course they from straight off they knew the work that I did which is mm. very much around sexuality education young yeah. people's sexuality you know yeah. ensuring sexual health services are received and you know all of that work that I've been doing and they've been sort of engaged and 
I guess in some ways find it easier to say, oh yeah, she works in family planning. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, that's all I do. Um, But uh, (laughs) even so, you know, and and also demonstrated their pride in in the work that I've done and, you know, Mm -hmm. the the accomplishments that I've had. Mm -hmm. So they've always been supportive of that. But personal life has been something that's been sort of revealed slowly slowly you know Mm. it's been something I was already in a relationship for about five years or so before they realized that we were actually living in together and that was a huge thing right in Uh. in yeah even though we are sort of urban educated privileged but it's still a big thing and Mm. then so that was like one step of almost denial so for many years it was like I would visit them or by myself and you know it was like 20 year old me yeah. <laughs> visiting home and you know who doesn't have any relationships or any kind of sexual being mm. um, and then you know it's just it's just over years and also distance I think you know just mm. I sort of moved further away and uh, it's it's taken some time and I think it's also taken an evolution of their own relationship to each other to really understand and real and appreciate different kinds of relationships that can exist and the possibility of, you know, uh, having sort of different engagements uh, when it comes to interpersonal relations. So Absolutely. that's very much. A, <laughs> Absolutely. So, so they have become more open or you, were you referring to them or to yourself in that? Well, they've become more open to understanding and appreciating my relationships mm. because of uh, difficulties in their own relationship. Ooh. Right? So, Can you tell me more? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, until you, so it's, 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 it's how the patriarchy functions, right? Until you're towing the line and you're sort of, you've got the, the heterosexual relationship and the and the kids and you're sort of you know you're part of this whole system it's all good everyone's you know oh my goodness that's such a great family oh my goodness you're such a good woman oh my goodness you know all of those things you're so much so lauded for your choices and then as soon as something goes wrong because of course things go wrong I mean these are relationships hello things are gonna Mm -hmm. go wrong absolutely (laughs) you suddenly break out or you so either you suck it up and you stay within the system and that's unbearable or you step out of it and you realize oh my goodness why the hell have I been giving doing this to myself for so many years why have I been stuck in this relationship which did nothing for me which you know didn't help me grow didn't help me be my true self uh, you know restricted me in so many different ways yeah and so you know this relation this realization and then you're not this perfect person within the patriarchy anymore right you've you've overstepped the norms you've Mm -hmm. already become this terrible person who you used to judge yes (laughs) that's yes that's the honesty (laughs) yep 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 and now it's you and then you're like oh oh it you know the foot the the, the, what is it the shoe doesn't fit or Mm -hmm. whatever the term is and then you I guess that perhaps helps you be less judgmental of other people in a, in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and appreciate the different choices people make, the different circumstances they're in. So, I mean, 
for example, the fact that I have a non-monogamous relationship is still not something that's widely known amongst my family or community or cousins or even many friends, you know, Mm. because I think that that's, it's not always easy for people to understand how, in fact, monogamy is so much a patriarchal construct as well. And uh, and it's not always an easy discussion for people mm-hmm. to have. Absolutely. I would love for you to tell me how monogamy is a patriarchal construction because <laughs> I want to hear it. I agree. <laughs> Everyone well, needs to hear this. Yeah, well, <laughs> everyone needs to hear it. <laughs> I mean, first of all, monogamy tends to be based in heterosexuality, right? And anything that is cis-het and, and normative is very much what the patriarchy wants you to believe is, is the, the truth of the world or the natural, so-called, Ugh. in air quotes, natural Ugh. way things yeah. function. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, this, uh, we understand ourselves as human beings who are social. We have many different friends. We have different kinds of relationships where we get different things from different people. Mm-hmm. I might be a good friend of yours and we might discuss, you know, I don't know, theater with each other, but I might have another friend who I discuss shopping with, mm-hmm. right? And it yeah. doesn't mean that I love you less or I love her more or whatever. It's just we have different things that we get from different people. How is it that a loving romantic relationship has to provide you everything related to love romance and desire and sexuality from the one person that is just ridiculous it makes no sense mm-hmm. it is a construct it's very much a construct of the patriarchy to keep you bound and uh, uh restricted especially women because of course you know you do have instances of uh, of men having it's almost like de rigueur, right? Oh, of course, he's, you know, sleeping around or he's cheating or he's having, you know, oh, but, it, you know, so, so it's like, oh, yeah, of course, men need sex more. Hello, mm-hmm. women need sex just as much. So, mm-hmm. it's, <laughs> so it's very much rooted in this notion of what do good women do? What do, oh, men, you know, boys will be boys and all of those ideas coming together and creating this construct of monogamy which is being sort of shoved down our throats yeah (laughs) absolutely yes right let's just talk about for a moment that the history of monogamy really started with the concept of property and specifically that women were property and so it was a you know business negotiation to have a woman that could bear children Mm mm-hmm And within that, there was at the time when, you know, monogamy, marriage, the history shows that there wasn't this expectation of sexual, like, fidelity or romantic love fidelity. Um, And so men, it was frequently allowed for men to have other sexual relations. It wasn't expected for the main sex, the main love to be with that person that would also bear the children. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we know this historically. Yes. And yet somehow through this whole process of, you know, women's liberation, other sorts of things, we still have this construct that kind of 
floated through the history of time and now we're making sense of it you know how like oh it must there must be love here there must be some sort of and like i'm all for people being monogamous and recognizing that it's a construct and that you can invest that time and love in that one person and that's a choice right like i've been i've been really relating it to like the concept of you know you could have no kids you could have one kid. Yeah. You could have four kids. Exactly. All of those are great lives. And all of them are going to con- have different, you know, joys, pains, different things, yeah. right? But yeah. like to think that you can't have, you know, no kids or four kids and say only one is the right way. <laughs> That's crazy. That yeah, is exactly. crazy. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And that is totally what the patriarchy and society does, which says yeah. the only way to do this is monogamy yes you're exactly. just like oh <laughs> yes. yes we're gonna change the world it's okay one conversation at a time about this Absolutely. we're gonna change the world it's cool okay <laughs> could you tell me about your relationships I'm so curious like how do you organize them how do you describe them what sort of language do you use well it's been an evolving understanding and language I think and you know it's very much we like to use the term Mm non-monogamous as opposed to any of the other terms because it's very much related to sort of getting excitement interest desire and fantasy from a lot of different people and which means that I am in a long-term relationship with someone who I love very much Mm -hmm. and who I've lived with uh, for many years And, you know, we definitely are very close. We've had Mm -hmm. ups and downs, but, you know, we're, we're in a, we're on a, on a nice, um, in a nice space right now and and on a nice track. And we understand each other much better than we did, you know, through the years. Mm. And, and so at the risk of giving, uh, you know, a hierarchy, to to relationships I would say we are each other's primary partners Mm -hmm. and then we engage as I said we engage in excitement different experiences uh, outside of this relationship Mm -hmm. with other people but you know we, we, we try to be open and honest about this with everyone because I don't think it helps anyone to not understand exactly where they are and you know, what kind of sort of engagement they're getting into and what that means. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That ability to be able to communicate to other people that want to maybe have a sort of relationship. It's so important to be able to explain where you're at, what sort of energy time you have to develop other relationships. That hesitancy to say primary. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, it's been an evolving language. And I think even within the sort of uh, understanding, the sort of the global understanding of uh, non-monogamy or polyamory or whatever it is that Mm -hmm. people want to call, call it for themselves, there has been an evolution. And I understand that there is a hesitancy to apply hierarchies to types of relationships but I feel like I, I understand that but I feel like for myself I would actually like to apply that hierarchy because Absolutely. you know I, I share my life <clears throat> with my partner and I feel like that's a very important part of my sexual relationship and being in fact 
if I'm out and about, I will always talk about him and mm. you know bring him up and and because he's so much a part of my my life. So um, absolutely, very much, uh, yeah, in that way. Absolutely, I think that is one of the things, at least in my own you know exploration of relationship anarchy and yeah, the different problems that can arise with using hierarchy. I think it's also impossible to say that there isn't one. Do you know what I mean? Like that is just not possible at the same time. I understand seeing the fluidity and the malleability of our different relationships and the different levels of responsibility we can create. But at the same time, if you're living with a partner, say you choose to have children with a partner, say you Mm -hmm. have a business with a partner, all these different things are different responsibilities that create some sort of natural hierarchy of energy focus. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. That's really what it is. I mean, and and you make those choices with other kinds of relationships in your life as well, right? You might want to make time for Nicole, but you might not want to make time for this other girl who's, you know, and so it's, it's not because you don't like them or care for them. It's just, that's just where you're prioritizing (laughs) your finite energies and time. And um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think there's like, yeah, it's so hard when we're kind of almost nervous to say, yeah, primary or hierarchy and that sort of thing. But it's also, I think, not realistic to um, to think that you could just be completely equal with everybody. I like the word anchor. Have you heard of that? Like your anchor partner? No, I haven't heard that, but sounds good. I kind of like that because it's almost like, I mean, if we think about an anchor in theory, it actually goes deep. So it's not going up into the air, creating some sort of like above people, right? So it's actually lower, deeper, yes. Yes. and and it keeps you tied in some sort of way that is important, you know, to your your mobility in the world. So I don't know, maybe that word, because primary, it automatically that language yeah. connotates hierarchy really yes. intensely. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I you're absolutely right. I think I like this word. Anchor. I know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's like it's my anchor partner. In- deeper uh relationship for sure that's really what keeps you you know together (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and I think it's so important to have conversations about these relationships because it can be really hard to see a future kind of like we were talking earlier about that safety net right of community of not knowing what that's going to look like I think we don't have enough narratives of people living these lives of non-monogamy to even say oh this is what I could do This is how I could create my relationship with my partner. We just don't have examples in the media of this. No, no, absolutely. Exactly. There are no role models. There are no, which is also why I feel like it's taken me so long and such a, you know, sort of difficult process to get where I am and to get to the understanding of my, myself, my relationship, my sexuality and and all of those things. Mm. Mm -hmm. Because you have to navigate it yourself. You just have to <laughs> find your own way. Yeah, <laughs> We're the trailblazers. Ex- I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I am tired. <laughs> but actually though, right? Yeah, yeah, it's so hard because you don't necessarily have that mentor to look up to and say like, oh, this is how I can construct it. And that's why this is why I love the podcast. This is why I hope the podcast changes, yes. you know, lives. So, you know, you coming on this space saying, this is how I construct my relationship and look at it. Yeah. And then people being able to hear that and hopefully see, imagine a different future because of the life that you've lived. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. You're, 
can I just say that is exactly what helped me mm. uh, there weren't really podcasts were not so common sure sure sure, <laughs> sure. blogs used to be and yeah. there was a blog that really it was just so natural and raw and so very much like oh and this is this is what happened and we had a fight about this and then you oh. know, this, and we got jealous and then I was like oh my god this is somebody is going through this and writing it all down for me to be able to understand what it's going to mean and what it's it was fabulous it was really really great and I'm really Absolutely. sad that the blog doesn't exist anymore but mm. it really helped me so I hope that this podcast is you know helpful Absolutely. Yeah. Because you see a life example in front of you. And typically we'd find that in our community. And if we can't, knowing that, you know, non-monogamy is a minority culture. Yeah. It can be hard to find that. Yeah. Yeah. Could you tell me a little bit more about how you came into non-monogamy with your partner, if you're willing just to, yeah, flesh out this story for other people? (laughs) Um. Sure. It wasn't easy. Yeah. It it took me a few years just to, like I said, just to think about it myself, understand what it would mean for me. And there was, so this blog was by somebody called Samantha and it's called Not Your Mother's Playground. (laughs) I love it. Um, Yeah. And it was just, you know, when I started reading that, I was like, ah, okay, this is what it actually looks like. And so it took me a long time to even just broach the subject with my partner and it's funny because of course you know how you think you know each other and and you kind of assume that the other person has the same understanding of something as you do but then when you start talking about it and then you actually start doing stuff and then re-talking about it you're like oh wait th- what this is like yeah. totally different <laughs> from Absol- what like hello Absolutely. how did you not think this is what I meant. And then they were like, no, but how did you not think this is what I meant? <laughs> yes. Communication is really hard. It's really hard. You know, yes. and I, it's like always a cliche of oh, communication, communication, communication. Uh, but it's, it's hard. It's important. And, you know, when you start actually communicating, you realize what it is that you have to communicate about and how, because it's all the little details, all the conversations you have in your head with yourself have to be spoken out Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's what you need to do because otherwise you just you're doing the same thing you know you're like thinking about what someone else is gonna react or say or do and it's totally unhelpful just do it just speak it out you know have that conversation and that's what's taken us a few years to kind of do and arrive at and then we also took help you know because it's always good to have external help. So we, mm-hmm. you know, we see a therapist and it's been so much better since we started seeing a therapist. Mm. You learn that language and you learn what it is to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to do it on your own. Absolutely. I mean, I think it's so tough because at its core, right, we have two separate individual humans who are trying to understand each other who have a history of language and what words mean and what concepts are. And so when you're communicating, like at its core, it's really difficult because you can have completely different visions. And again, now we're talking about something like non-monogamy, right, which doesn't have a lot of examples. Like 
even and even when we ask people what does monogamy mean that has a lot of different (laughs) ideas too right but like let's go yeah coming into something with even less examples now we're really talking about needing to construct a future a life and slow down to actually process what all these words mean that we're talking about because it can mean a lot to different people yeah oh my goodness yeah I mean the word flirt can mean so many different things absolutely and you can be like oh yeah it's okay to flirt with people but then what does that mean what does that mean yeah is that (laughs) emotional it can it take on physical like what yeah you know yeah is it just wordplay with each other can you kiss can you touch each other I mean flirting could be so many different things absolutely absolutely yeah and so then you met with a therapist like what do you feel like yeah you gained from that process with them you know the biggest thing that I I think we gained was the ability to just stop in a conversation Mm. (laughs) stop being angry stop being like stop reacting and then try and understanding what the other person is actually saying Mm. or rephrasing and explaining what you want to because it's just that's the most difficult thing because you get into a pattern you get into this you know this reactive pattern with each other and then just you're not not going anywhere because then it's always the same conversation all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's not helping Mm -hmm. (sighs) yeah different ways so so this was for me like has been and it doesn't mean that we can automatically do it now you know Mm -hmm. we still have the pattern and we still sure but, but we understand and recognize that a pattern exists and that it is possible to break out of it every now and again. Mm-hmm. You're hitting on something so key is it's not like we see the pattern and then all of a sudden we're just like perfectly communicating. It's almost more so that you see it. Yes. That's the huge thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. It. And then to you're be like able to step out of yourself and step out of that relationship circle and to and to see it. That's mm-hmm. really, I'm, I don't know if anyone can do it on their own without mm. external help. I just, I would be really marveling and surprised at that. So I Absolutely. think it's so Absolutely. someone helping you do that. Yeah. I think in some like utopian world, we'd all be so like socially cognizant of our biases of things that come up and that we could all do this, but I, that's not <laughs> the world that we live in. Yeah. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So then once you see that pattern, then the next time it takes that ability to pause and say, okay, we're going to disrupt this pattern, do something different this time. But until you notice that pattern, you're almost just like swimming in the dark. You're like, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And then suddenly you realize, oh my goodness, how have I been so blind and so sort of, you know, unseeing of this thing that exists. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like a light bulb switches on. Yeah, absolutely. And then from there, that's, I guess, when the work starts, you know what I mean? Like, that's when the real work starts. Now you're like, okay, how do I stop the pattern now that I see it? How do I actually go the other way and start walking up this hill of change? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was communication, seeing a therapist. So at this point, you and your partner were non-monogamous and processing it or were you still like thinking about doing it or where were you at no we were non-monogamous and processing it um Mm -hmm. 
and I, you know, as I said, it's been a bumpy ride and primarily because of what his understanding of non-monogamy and what my understanding of non-monogamy was mm. and the fact that we'd never spoken or explained to each other about what that meant yeah and and intertwined with those patterns and also some ideas of who we thought this other person is you know Ooh. it's like I, I feel like when you've been together for a long time and you know for me it was I was 23 and he was 29 and and I think you know you, you kind of feel like you, you still have this image of this person from back then it's a little bit like your parents, right? They, they feel like you're still that kid. You're still this mm. child. Mm-hmm. But in fact, you've changed. You've evolved. You've become different people. And you might have grown into different people together, but it's you don't always see that or you don't always process that change. And you don't realize, you know, that you've, you have different reactions or different understandings of concepts and things. And so, again, that was something which the therapist also helped us see. Mm. and understand and for both of us to realize oh wait you know this is not that 23 year old anymore you know it's a different person it's it's you know there's so many things have happened in between and (laughs) absolutely yeah because our brains are wired to predict yes yes for safety because we are our brains want to know okay well this is how the situation is going to go so I can protect myself and that's like very evolutionary and we know that So we can create like a scheme, you know, a schema in our head of like, this is our partner. This is how they're going to react. And so we're always in that like predicting mode, but not integrating all the change and openness that can come with just living and being a human and changing over time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's just, it's all tied to this thing, right? If you you start predicting what another person's reaction is going to be, you're not going to be able to live your authentic self. You're not mm. going to be able to be true to yourself. And I think that's, yeah, it's it's not an easy switch to click in the head. Mm-hmm. But once you can do it, it really makes life a lot easier. Absolutely. <laughs> and yeah. happier. Yeah. And I've heard some people talk about how, like, you go through multiple relationships, even in a monogamous one, right? You go through multiple relationships with that person as they change and evolve over time. And just, I think normalizing that is important to like, yeah, there's a lot of change within relationships. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, and this is the thing because the other, you know, the other sort of picture that, that patriarchy has painted for us within a monogamous heteronormative relationship Mm -hmm. is that it's fixed this is it this is your role this is your role and you know forever so so maybe it you know and it's just so false and so not real Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) people change people evolve I mean evolution hello Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think this is why we have divorce rates that are what they are, right? Like, because people change over time. And so if we can't allow space for that change in our relationships, and kind of like what you said earlier, if you're holding on to this older picture of who that person used to be, yeah, you're going to be frustrated that that's not showing up anymore. No. And it can't. It's gone. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That person is gone. Oh, you're not the 
love with. Uh, yeah, you're not because you know it's been like ten years since absolutely love, and now absolutely. it's you know you find different things to either you find different things to fall in love with or it's done. You know, like there is nothing else to fall in love mm-hmm. with. Like, okay. Hmm. Absolutely, but that sounds so destabilizing and scary to be like, "Oh, your partner's gonna change a lot." So yeah. good luck. Hope you still love each other after fifty years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that sounds so scary in theory. It does. It does. And you know, you have to remember you're changing as well. And uh, and I think this is the thing. Like we, what you said about you know we we're constantly trying to protect ourselves, and it's very difficult to let that go. Mm-hmm. And. And it doesn't mean that you sort of don't protect yourself, but I think it, you protect yourself with an awareness of what you're doing and an understanding of when is it that this protection actually becomes a barrier, which is not allowing me to either be my authentic self or to engage in a relationship in an authentic manner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, coming at it with more curiosity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a little bit more... Uh, a, li- a little bit more awareness of risk uh, mm-hmm. or not awareness but the word I'm looking for is you know like openness to to risk so which is not to say you know we should be putting ourselves at at risk all the time but just to be a little bit open to a little bit of change or risk or feeling of unsafety and you know and and see where that takes us especially with people who we do feel safe with Absolutely. And I mean, I think we know, or at least cognitively, maybe people don't like to hold the reality that like about 50% of monogamous marriages are ending in divorce, right? So like, kind of what you're saying, knowing that risk is important, I think to hold that to know that that is a really big thing that might happen. Yeah, a lot of people kind of seem to block that out from no, it's not going to be me. It's not. No. Yeah, yeah, it's but that, it's exactly 50% is like the flip of a coin. Yes, it is. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't like those odds. No, no, absolutely. And, you know, this is, it's a little bit like knowing we're all going to die. Yes, and, yes. You know, and so it is going to happen. We don't know how. Uh, we don't know in what circumstances, whether it's going to be like a peaceful sleeping and going away, which is what all of us would like, mm-hmm. or if it's going to be horrible and painful and awful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as much as we wouldn't want that on anyone, it's the truth and the reality of life. And in the same way, when you engage with another human being, there is a risk, a risk of getting hurt, whatever it is. And, you know, this is the risk that you take when you create a relationship of any kind absolutely, with another human being. Yes. I love that you're saying that because it is any relationship, right? When we think about attachment, when we open ourselves up to attach to other people, that happens in platonic relationships as well. You you know, Absolutely. friendships. Yeah. And so in that attachment, you're you're almost creating the sort of relationship that has deep meaning to me. If you say thing you have such a power to actually hurt me. And if you were to leave, it would hurt me, right? Like, yeah. yeah, that is a huge risk that you're creating by opening yourself up to attach to other people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think it's probably one of the things that people fear is like giving so much power to this other person. Yes. And I think it's important to kind of know and feel strong and confident in yourself, mm-hmm. or at least to have this kind of 
understanding and awareness of yourself of what you like what you want what you desire and the fact that you can give that to yourself as well yes there is um this quote that i found in one of the books i was reading for one of my classes i'm gonna pull it it's kind of long but i think i think it's kind of like hitting on what we're saying uh it says the paradoxical truth of the human experience we know ourselves as separate only in so far as we live in connection with others mm-hmm. and that we experience relationship only in so far as we differentiate other from the self and i feel like it's really hitting on this point of like the paradox of the human experience being that you need to have a concept of individual self. You need to be able to know what is authentic to me, what is mm-hmm. gonna make me happy. And at the same time, you need relationships. There is no living off in a silo, even if that yeah. means your relationship is with nature, with you know animals, whatever that is. You know, some people live more isolated lives, but yeah. there is always a connection yes we are social creatures we do not exist in a vacuum we cannot our brains cannot that's why uh isolation is one of the main forms of imprisonment and suffering yeah exactly Yeah. yeah so it's like holding that duality of like how can we learn to understand ourselves and also recognize that we deeply need community and we deeply need relationships in the same level of independence at the same time. Yes. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it reminds me of quantum, quantum mechanics, right? Like we have these dual states that are conflicting, wave yeah. lights, uh, particle. how can light be a wave <laughs> and a particle at the same time, right? Like this is, I feel like, the fractals of the universe that kind of play out in different ways, right? The same patterns of, yes. Yeah independence and connection same time yeah and i mean this is the thing we know this and understand this unfortunately it doesn't get played out in you know popular culture in media it's so binary Mm -hmm. so binary so black and white there are no Mm -hmm. grays there are no colors there's no you know room for mistakes or um there's no room for sort of differences and it's Mm -hmm. just it's just too bad that because I think it would be so interesting and it could be so cool to have these these fractals Mm -hmm. (laughs) demonstrated in so many different creative ways it would just you know help the world be a happier more pleasurable space exactly create more space for the diversity yes right Yeah. yeah yeah I do have one question that is coming up for me that I want to ask you, and I'm sure tons of people would want to hear your perspective. So in this long-term relationship with your primary, your anchor partner, Mm -hmm. as you deepened the amount of love for this person, how do you deal with jealousy and the fear of loss of such a deep connection? Yeah, that's, um, it's been one of the key things that I've struggled with for myself Mm -hmm. over the years. And I've uh, come to an understanding of it. So I, so how my partner explains it to me Mm -hmm. is that he likes to think of the, of the fact that I'm enjoying myself Mm -hmm. and, and enjoys that, that aspect of, uh, our non-monogamous life 
for me, it's not, I can't be that selfless and I find it difficult. Mm-hmm. That's honest. I love it. <laughs> um, but I feel like wh- what I like to tell myself is that we are two independent, different individuals within this relationship. And each of us deserves to have the joy and the love and the excitement and uh, pleasure that they want, seek and desire. And therefore, you know, you just have to uh, let go and, uh, and, and realize that, um, that they are enjoying their, uh, their desires and fantasies while not at all affecting the deepness or the love and the, you know, whatever it is that they have for you. You know, that yes. anchor remains. It's still there. It's still connected. And so when I was able to click this switch in my brain that actually that seeking of desire out there is really not affecting my own experience of desire, pleasure, and closeness and intimacy mm-hmm. within this relationship, mm-hmm. it's fine. It, yeah. you know? <laughs> Absolutely, because there is no other you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, this is the two of us uh, within this anchor relationship. And this is us being true and authentic to us, to each other and to ourselves. And then whatever else is happening outside of this is, is nothing really to do with you in, in some ways. Because your partner's their own person. So they're going through the world. Exactly. And if they want something else, that says more about them than the dynamic that you have, which is unique and that no one else could replicate there is no other possibility of having yeah. the relationship that you have with that partner yeah 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 <laughs> oh yeah I think that's one of the biggest fears right that a lot of people have about yes. non-monogamy is the more you get deeply attached how do you deal with exactly what you said of letting go yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and it doesn't mean that I don't get jealous I do but mm. it's fine like, I, I can process it in yeah my head. Yeah. And do you talk to your partner about that? Yeah. 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 And I think that's like the big thing about non-monogamy is the amount of communication that comes into the space is wild. It is not for the faint of heart, not in the slightest, right? To be able to talk about that. You spend more time just talking than anything. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, but I think that's the best form of intimacy because then you know that the other person sees you fully in your human experience, which is the emotionality of it. Yeah. 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 That's the the deep anchor thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. I want to hold a little bit of space as we come towards the end of our time in case there was anything that maybe you wanted to talk about that we didn't hit or anything that's kind of lingering for you in the space? No, I think we've had really interesting conversations. this was great. I think this was amazing. <laughs> I, I love having these conversations and just getting to share space with someone who understands yeah. sees the world in the same way, the same paradigm that I do. I, yes. I cherish it deeply. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That, that yeah. support system, that network. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, then let me ask you the one closing question I ask everyone on the podcast, which is, what is one thing that you wish other people knew was more normal? That you can be a woman and you can have huge sexual desire and you can have boredom or lack of interest in sex and you can... (laughs) 
have, you know, just this whole diversity of feelings around mm-hmm. your sexuality that you can have as a woman, I think is totally normal. And it's just, it exists. It's fine. Yes, yes absolutely. The amount of social conditioning that has told women that they don't have a sex drive, that something's wrong with them if they're not feeling sex, like the desire for sex all the time. I mean, yeah, it's a plethora of things to explore and dismantle. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I um, I really liked reading Come As You Are by uh, Melina Gosky yes. and learning about the gas, you know, break system and responsive desire. I, I hope that that has opened up a lot of women to feel more, yeah, just normal. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, nothing is wrong with the <laughs> no. way that you're showing up in the world. Exactly. Ah. Whatever way you're showing up in the world is normal. That's it. Absolutely. Oh. It was such a pleasure to have you on the podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then leave us a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you're a part of the anarchist community, then follow us on Instagram or nominate a guest for the show by sending in a letter to modernanarchypodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, I'll see you next week.